0: My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subran. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. Since the start of the COVID-19 crisis, Eurozone governments have implemented unprecedented policies for these unprecedented times, including billions of euros in support for companies. This has taken different forms, from subsidies and partial unemployment schemes to state-guaranteed loans. In this context, many companies have seen their cash reserves soar. So what does this mean for the Eurozone economy in 2021 and beyond? Let's find out With Anna Boata, head of macroeconomic research at Allianz Research. Hello, Anna. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Maria. So, to start, can you explain for us what exactly Eurozone governments have been doing to help companies in the wake of the COVID 19 crisis?
1: Yeah, well, the crisis was was something that was really unprecedented. Shutdown of entire sectors, including non-essential retail, leisure, created actually tremendously high liquidity risk, Mm -hmm. which could have in turn put company solvency at risk. So the governments around the world needed to act fast. And especially in Europe, where the lockdowns were more severe and more numerous. Most of the governments implemented generous partial unemployment schemes, but they also implemented tax deferrals and direct subsidies. Uh, Actually, we find that companies in the Netherlands, the UK, Germany and France benefited from the highest direct liquidity state support, which compensated for more than two thirds of all the losses in value added they faced in 2020. And actually, state-guaranteed loans were also another major form of aid. Companies in France, Italy, and Spain were the biggest takers of these loans, with above Eurozone average increases in the corporate
0: debt-to-GDP ratios. Okay. And so what ex- Im- what impact overall has that had on corporate finances? Yeah, despite the crisis,
1: Eurozone non-financial corporates actually managed to post an average positive cash balance in 2020 of close to €250 billion. Mm. On top of this, they added the state-guaranteed loans. So actually, their total cash positions, measured in terms of their total deposits, increased by more than €490 billion in 2020. Wow. And actually, that's more than three times the increase we saw in 2019. So what does it mean now is that non-financial corporates hold cash reserves equivalent to three months of the pre-crisis turnover, more than half a month higher than the pre-crisis averages. And of course, there's there's, there's a big difference in this cash hoarding between sectors. We find that it's the richest sectors and companies that have become even richer such as industrials, mainly in Italy, Spain, and to a certain extent, the U.K., but also consumer goods, mainly in France and Germany. And there's also a difference when you look at companies by size. In Germany, large companies accounted for more than 70% of total increase in non-financial corporate cash holdings at the end of 2020, while their share stood at 54% in France and close or even below to 30% in Italy, Spain, and the U.K., So what do you see companies using this excess cash for? Well, currently we are living in the midst of of a great disruption in global trade. Shortages, we have shortages in in terms of goods, semiconductors, building materials, but we also have very high transportation hurdles when we think about the longer delivery times and, and the very high container prices. And that's clearly something that has to do with the shortages in terms of container prices, but also with the very high demand that comes from the U.S. and Europe out of Asia, Mm -hmm. So clearly today we actually witness a five-year record high level in terms of container prices and transportation costs. Uh, So, of course, in this context, input prices remain at very high levels, actually record high levels. And the key question is how will the companies manage to absorb this increase in input prices? Will they be able to actually reprice it and and talk about the real pricing power, uh, which actually would give them more buffers? But that's something that is not clearly visible currently. It's a bit more visible in the U.S., where actually 60% of the rise in input prices has been passed on to, to the selling prices. But actually in Europe, we do stand around 25 to 30%. So this is, in our view, something where this excess cash can be used. Actually, around 50% of this excess cash in Europe will be used in order to finance the rising working capital requirements from this inventory rebuildment at a very high cost. And And actually, at the same time, we do see also that probably there is a tendency to to see deteriorating payment terms in a recovery phase so that's also something that would require more liquidity from from companies because of course during the the 2020 crisis there was a payment discipline around the very high uncertainty uh, ahead of us at the same time the success cash will and and should actually be used for uh, investment strategies, be it defensive or or offensive. sectors with the highest cash positions are actually likely to increase production capacities and and modernize the existing ones. Uh, And and actually, they they will also probably look for new growth opportunities, acquiring competitors that might be in a weaker financial shape after the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, we do see since the start of the year that we have strong average MA deals by western european companies both nationally and cross border especially in the itc consumer non-cyclical or cyclical
0: sectors but also in the industrial sectors okay and so what do what do policymakers need to keep in mind in this context yeah, well, overall, the build-up of this of these cash reserves is definitely a good thing,
1: as we were discussing. It provides significant buffers, uh, be it for the short-term liquidity needs, but also for the more medium-run liquidity needs in terms of, for example, debt redemptions. Um, it also gives leeway in in this recovery phase. Uh, for what we discussed, the working capital requirements or the investment strategies, Uh, but actually one of the key risks would be that these cash, cash buffers would be used for the leveraging purposes, which actually would reduce the efficiency of all the public support measures that have been implemented last year. Uh, And and actually, we do see that the European governments understand that very well and and they are taking it very slow when it comes to phasing out the state support measures, especially for those sectors which are still sensitive to COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, Actually, these sectors account for one out of the four companies in, in Europe. However, the risk of policy mistakes remains high. One of the most important tasks for European governments is handling the corporate debt, corporate debt which actually stands at the record high level. Uh, while most of the European governments have increased the maturity of state-guaranteed loans, as well as their, their grace periods, this will come to an end in early 2022. And actually, um, this is something that, of course, would increase interest expenditures for companies, but also brings back the the question of corporate debt sustainability, which is a question that will stay with us in the coming years. Um, If governments would need to act, they would need to act through fiscal reforms. They would need to boost self-financing capacities for, for companies and improve their ability to pay back this corporate debt. Uh, For example, keeping interest expenditures low would be a a prerequisite in order to basically ensure that this this debt becomes sustainable. Uh, If, uh, on the contrary, interest rates would increase by, let's say, 100 basis points, for sure that the self-financing capacity and uh, the non-financial corporate margins would be uh, impacted. Uh, On this latter, on the margins, we do see an impact of two percentage points uh, of this potential increase in interest rates of 100 basis points. So clearly stabilizing interest rates, but also stimulating GDP GDP growth uh, would clearly bring more sustainability to corporate debt. However, when we simulate what uh, what would be the pace for absorption of full absorption of this corporate debt, we actually uh, see that it will take uh, five years at least in in the countries where the take-up of of state-guaranteed loans has, has been the highest, like France, Italy, and Spain.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, Anna. Speak to you next time. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.